0: Welcome to episode 22 of Tegan Goes Vegan. I'm your host, Tegan Karuna. I have a real treat for you this week. I spoke with the absolutely wonderful and insightful Nicole Antoinette. She is, I don't even know how to describe exactly what she does, but she's like an online personality who has this amazing podcast where she talks to people about life. It's called Real Talk Radio. It's super cool. i have been a fan of it for a while now, and we get into a lot of the conversation about veganism and how it's really a question when you're going vegan and when you're kind of early on in those in the in your vegan years you You're really making a lot of changes and you're trying to learn how to be vegan in this world that isn't vegan. And Nicole has really great insights for why that process can be so hard and some ways that you maybe could think about making those changes that make it easier for you. You know, we talk about how being vegan doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to do everything and be perfect all at once. And she shares a little bit of her personal story of getting sober and starting running and becoming vegan, like all within the same kind of time period and, and that part of her life. I just had such a wonderful, lovely time talking with her. I think that you will also really appreciate her kind of her compassionate and like loving approach to how difficult it is to make changes in your life and how great you feel once you've made changes that really are in line with your values. And, and that's really what going vegan is all about, at least for me. So, oh, there's um, <laughs> also, you'll hear a little bit more street noise than normal in this episode. I'm going to try to edit it out as much as I can. But there's a, this ice cream truck that comes around my neighborhood like a million times a day after school and um, plays happy birthday outside my the windows of my house where my recordings happen. And uh, there's really like nothing I can do about it. So I'm going to try to edit it out. But you're probably still hear it. There's also, you know, car horns and motorcycles and things of that nature, because I chose to live on a busy street. So <laughs> apologies, I'm going to try to work my auto audio editing magic, but a little bit of it might get through here and there. So anyhow, here is my interview with Nicole Antoinette. So you are pretty open about the last few years of your life and you share really, um, you're very vulnerable online and you talk a lot about like all of the changes that you have made in your life. So was becoming vegan part of those changes or was that kind of a result of it like how did all of that play out
1: you mean kind of what was the origin story of like switching to a vegan way of eating
0: yeah i I guess what I'm, i'm trying to learn from you if that was kind of part of that whole transition process or if it was kind of a separate process for you
1: yeah um I mean, I think anytime you make any kind of a change, it's it's a transition, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think one of the ways that we do ourselves a disservice is, you know, the kind of stories that we see or that go viral are people who make these like huge changes or change their whole life or lose 100 pounds in a short time for, you know, this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I think that it tends to make us undervalue some of the potentially smaller changes, right? Like even one change to how you're eating can have – big effects. Like that was definitely my experience. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was, if I look back at the last five years of my life, there's definitely been some bigger changes and not to say that there weren't changes before that, but, um, the kind of real quick nutshell version of what happened for me, I quit drinking May 1st, 2011. So almost five years ago
0: Congratulations. and
1: thank you. I know that could be all other podcasts, right? <laughs> um, so, I mean, that was definitely the most dramatic in terms of like my life was, you know, this way and now it's this other way, right? Like that was definitely the thing that I think changed my life the most and it was also the domino change that led to a lot of other things. So I definitely didn't set out, you know, with this plan of I'm going to make all these changes. I mean, that would have been so overwhelming. Even quitting drinking was so unbelievably overwhelming at the time. So, um, you know, I quit drinking and started running on the same day, which oh, wow. you know, I had never been an athlete. I had never done anything even remotely athletic. That was not part of my story. And I mean, really, running was kind of like a way out of the drinking hole for me, and a way to join kind of a new community and have a new identity. Because my entire life was based around drinking. Like all my all my social relationships. I mean, I didn't know how to be an adult and not be drunk. Mm. And so through you know running, um, I started to get. I'd always been super interested in food. I was a food studies major in college. Um, not really much on the nutrition side more kind of on the culinary you know food as social issues food history that type of stuff food as pleasure um and so, you know, when I was started getting more and more interested in running, I mean, I went so far down the rabbit hole, I read everything that I could, I started getting really interested in sports nutrition, and you know, the way that food affects physical performance, um, you know, specifically with running, and I, I wound up reading a couple of books back to back. One was um, Rich Roll's Finding Ultra. And I don't know if, if you've read that, but it, it's great. And, um, you know, also kind of got sober and wound up, you know, switching to a vegan diet and found, you know, huge kind of performance gains. And then I also read um, the book called Thrive by Brendan Brazier. Again, like really similar story. And um, both of those books kind of came at a plant-based diet through – I don't know if selfish is the right word because I think that has a negative connotation, but very much, you know, I'm going to change the way that I'm eating so as to perform better, right? And a lot of what what Brendan Brazier talked about in that book was about how, um, you know, the the most important thing that's going to help you train harder is to recover better, right? If you're fully recovered, then you can then kind of go out and train harder. That's, and that, you know, logically makes a lot of sense to me. And he said that nutrition is one of kind of the most overlooked things, or at least that's what he found in his professional triathlon career. And, you know, so he kind of came at the plant-based way of eating from that way. Talked about some other things, you know, kind of environmental stuff, more of the compassionate side, but, um, that, really wasn't what I was interested in at the time. So, you know, I was reading these books and I thought, okay, this is pretty interesting. Um, I'm going to try this. And so I had, I was just about to start a 16 week training cycle for my first full marathon. And I said, okay, I'm going to try this for this 16 week training period. And I'm just going to see what happens. I'm a really big fan of experimenting with changes with a certain timeframe, like the thought of I'm never eating cheese again, like that, that would have been way too overwhelming and I wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. But So this idea of having um, like some lines drawn around it of, okay, like this is 16 weeks. It's long enough to actually – it's short enough that I feel like it will end at some point, but it's long enough that I think I'll be able to really gauge if there's a difference in how I feel. And for me, it was very much I wanted to see if it would affect how I was running and I was having some kind of like stomach issues on some runs and I was just curious how I was going to feel. So that was really the beginning of it for me. So
0: did you notice changes?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt better. Um, I mean, I – I wasn't eating a ton of meat before that. I mean, I definitely grew up on a very standard American diet, um, but I was definitely eating a lot of dairy and I I felt better, you know, kind of the stomach issues that I was having went away after I stopped eating the dairy. Um, And yeah, I just felt better. I felt more energized. Um, My skin was better. You know, so there were things that I was noticing. Um, It wasn't like all of a sudden I became this like super fast runner, right? But I was not really (laughs) expecting that that was the case. Um, But yeah, I I just overall, I felt better. And it was interesting that it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And maybe that's because, you know, quitting drinking and starting running like I had already done these things that were so unbelievably hard that this just didn't seem as hard in comparison. Um, I also think that I didn't really attach too much meaning to it. Like I didn't really make it mean anything. It was just, hey, this is this thing that I'm trying. And I, you know, I already worked for myself and worked at home at that point. And so I pretty much cooked all my meals myself anyway. So there wasn't, you know, a big adjustment in terms of, you know, eating with other people or eating, you know, other people cooking for me or that type of thing. Um, but I mean, it was it was definitely a challenge for sure.
0: Were you following any kind of prescribed diet? I I don't I don't mean that in like a weight loss way. I mean that in like a performance type diet where, you you know, were there rules around the types of food you were eating or were you just kind of you're like, I'm just going to do plant based and whatever that means is what it means.
1: Yeah, that was pretty much what it was. I mean, like anything, I I am a curious person, so when I start something new, I like to learn more about it. You know, so I definitely that's when I started looking at more kind of plant based recipe websites and and that type of stuff. Um, but it was, yeah, I was more just trying to not eat. Animal foods, right? It, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't a really big deal. It's funny. I was thinking about this before we got on this call. That it's, it's almost like, <laughs> like I feel like I've blacked out that time. Like I don't really have <laughs> even a strong memory because, for whatever reason, it didn't feel like a huge deal for me. Which is, is kind of funny because I was in a relationship at the time with someone who was like definitely a big meat eater, and you know, no one in my family eats this way. I know you mentioned um, you know, uh, when we first started chatting that, you know, when you switched to being vegan, that you didn't know anyone else who was, I don't think that I did either, but for whatever reason, I just didn't think it was going to be a problem like that. I like it's. The only way that I can, you know, kind of underscore this to say it again is it was such an unbelievably life changing thing to quit drinking. And as far as social stuff goes, like so many things had already changed in my life that this seemed smaller, I think, in comparison, even though obviously it definitely was a big deal and there were kind of ramifications and and there still are any time that I think that veganism or plant based eating or, you know, kind of whatever term you want to put on this, I think, is getting a lot more mainstream traction. Um either that's true, or I'm just paying more attention to it. It's kind of hard to tell. But I would say that I feel like it's getting some more mainstream traction. But still, it's definitely like a a small percentage of people if we're talking about, you know, in the United States that are living this way. So you know, there is still this feeling of always making kind of the swimming upstream choices, um, which is definitely something that's hard for me even still i mean and it's been this was july 2012 that i decided to start this 16 week thing so it's definitely it's been years at this point um you know cuz after the 16 weeks i felt good and didn't really miss eating these things anymore so i you know haven't since then but you know there's definitely still times when it's almost like nostalgically hard like i feel it sometimes around the holidays um i had a little like mini breakdown i think a year maybe 2 years ago around thanksgiving my husband and I were in the parking lot outside of Costco. And I just like, st- it was, you know, a couple days before Thanksgiving, and we were doing some grocery shopping. And I just started crying. So I was like, Oh, my God, like this, um, I can't eat any of the things you know, that Aww. I used to eat when I was little. And, you know, it's and obviously so what, there's some
0: what did no you do? Um,
1: like, like, did I mean, you just
0: make your own vegan versions of those foods? Or did you just say, forget it, I'm starting anew with new foods?
1: Um, I've done a mix of things, you know, that I I certainly don't think there's one right way to do this. I mean, on the emotional side of it, I think that the thing that's helpful for me is to just allow it to be true that sometimes I feel sad, just like not just with this, but with anything. I think that there's, you know, this belief and whether that's kind of a myth that comes from some of the people who are well known in the kind of nutrition, fitness, lifestyle industry that kind of portray this very happy, shiny, glowy, thing all the time. And there definitely are happy, shiny, glowy moments that have come for me through, you know, being vegan. And that's something we can talk about more But that. I think that it's not just like you flip this light switch and everything's amazing and I never miss anything. You know, like food is a very emotional thing for us. You know, we people were feeding us you know our our parents or our primary caregivers or whatever like way before we ever learned how to feed ourselves and there's just like a lot of stuff in there as far as family and social relationships and culture and you know so making a change with that like sometimes it's going to be sad but just because I was sad didn't mean that I didn't still want to make the decision right so I think it's like being able to hold complex emotions um I mean and as far as as your specific question about kind of veganizing other dishes I've done that a little bit um I, you know, with certain things not necessarily Thanksgiving related, like my never-ending quest to make, you know, my favorite vegan mac and cheese. That's kind of my ongoing culinary of project. Of course. That's, right? every, that's every
0: that's everybody. That's the holy holy grail. Like once right? we get that, it's over. Everyone will have no excuse anymore.
1: I know, right? I mean, listen, mine's pretty good at this point. But <laughs> I mean, but again, I mean it's not mac and cheese. It serves the same purpose, right? It's like warm, comforting, yummy pasta. But so I've I've done it with a couple of things, and there's, you know, a couple of um recipe developers you know cookbooks websites stuff that I think do this really well but I I don't know I I don't feel my best you know physically when I'm eating a lot of processed things so a lot of like fake meat or that type of stuff not to say I never do it right or that I never get like vegan fast food at a place like veggie girl or something I totally will but right
0: because you're in California so you have vegan fast food there I was in California. I'm in Oregon now. Oh, but yeah, okay. oh well, even better, Oregon. Yeah. Right, I'm right, sure right, that right. you're just like swimming in options out there.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny. So in, in Portland, yeah, I, I'm in Bend, which is like definitely a smaller um, city. And we actually don't have that many options, which I find is nice because then I don't eat as much crap when I was living in LA. <laughs> oh my God, because there's so many great vegan restaurants, and then you wind up just spending so much money and eating you know, so much of that kind of stuff. So it was actually nice to move up here and you know not have as many options. But Philadelphia, yeah, I, mean, I think for me, there's like a time and a place for everything.
0: Yeah, there absolutely is. Um, Philadelphia has a rapidly growing vegan food scene. And luckily for me, most of it is just a little too expensive to make it a regular thing. So there's not a lot of that like pull. It's not, it's not a cheap, easy, convenient thing. You have to like make a reservation and go there and and it's a whole thing. So it's, that's kind of nice in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I don't eat out that much. I mean, maybe we eat out for dinner like once a week, like max twice. And that would be kind of an abnormal week. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just, I I love cooking. That's, you know, why I studied it in school. That's why, you know, I've always been really interested in, in that type of stuff. So I mean, for the most part, it's mostly just like, simple foods, right? Like simple whole foods. It's not this kind of crazy stuff. But I mean, the the place where I do the most kind of substitutions of things is with Baking—that was always my passion—was with baking, and you know when I first switched to eating this way, it was something that I just kind of let go of, and wound up a couple years later realizing that I really missed, and you know so that's been kind of fun because as opposed to cooking, baking is obviously a lot more of a science, I think, than you know an experiment. It's not just throw a bunch of stuff together. You need a raising agent. You need you know these kind of different things, and so okay, if I'm not going to have eggs, then I need to have something that's going to act to bind things together. And so I've actually really enjoyed just some different kind of experimentations. The the thing we're working on right now is um, baked vegan donuts at home. My husband loves donuts. So we've been playing around with that. So, you know, obviously not the world's healthiest thing, but you know, that's kind of the only place where, okay, I'm going to use fake butter. I'm going to you know, that Mm -hmm. type of stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. I actually want to go back to what you were saying about being in college and studying food and the social and emotional things that food does for us um could you tell me a little bit more about that and then we'll kind of like get into what that means for you personally just like the the general thoughts and theories behind that that whole field
1: yeah um it's funny because that's not really my, my life at all. Anyway, I basically, it's, it's, it's so funny, like what we study in college that then like how it does and does not relate to our life. Right. Because I'm looking at, you know, this year is my, will be 10 years since I graduated college, which <laughs> all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that feels like a really long time. Um And obviously I never, you know, went to work in that in, in kind of the food industry. But for me, I, I, I took a bunch of different classes, you know, some would be, you know, History of food, kind of like you are what you eat, you eat what you are, type of things, and just looking at, you know, why, you know, this pocket of the world, you know, how rice became their mainstay, and looking at like the different staples and different diets, you know, just based on that type of stuff. Um, And then, you know, there was a, a kind of a fun class that I took that was looking at kind of how food becomes essentially like cultural icons that are associated with a place, right? And I mean, I remember. I loosely remember, I I couldn't tell you anything about it other than the general topic. I wrote this paper on um, New York cheesecake. Mm -hmm. So it was looking at like the kind of iconic relationship between, you know, New York and cheesecake. Not that it couldn't, I couldn't have chosen something else, but, you know, and kind of where that, where that comes from and kind of tracing the ingredients back, you know, that type of stuff. So it wasn't, you I don't know what I want to say but it's it's not like I have this, you know, intense I'm still studying this kind of like food and culture type of thing but I was just always I was always interested in the our emotional relationship with food. You know, that it's, I think it's really simple to say, you know, especially for someone who's looking to make a change in their diet for any reason, like, oh, we'll just eat different things. Like, it's not that hard. Like, eat salad instead of eating French fries, which like, listen, on the surface, like, that's true, right? Like, there's no one who's going to be like, cupcakes are a healthier choice for me than broccoli. No one thinks that, Right. right? So that's, clearly it's not the issue. There's like a lot of other stuff going on. And this, like, because the, I think because, you know, Switching to a plant-based diet was one of a bunch of, you know, very significant kind of life-changing changes that I've made. I'm really interested in this question of, like, how do we close the gap between what we say we want and what we actually do? Like, what are the barriers to – Creating change, and I think that you know dietary examples are a really easy way to talk about this because I think most people, especially women, you know, not to say men as well, but have a really complicated relationship with food, and so you know that was always interesting to me, and that's kind of why I was digging into that a little bit in college, and then kind of through like research on myself afterwards, just like why why do we make the choices that we make when it comes to food, right? And I think that that's a very individual thing, but starting to like dig under the layers of why is one person able to make sustainable change in this area and another person isn't, you know, what, what is that? What's that about? And I find that to be like very, very interesting. And that's still, I mean, not just with food, but that question of like, how do we close that gap between what we say we want, what we actually do is still like to this day, very interesting to me.
0: Right. I mean, that, that is the major question for anybody trying to make big changes. And I feel like this is the time for me to mention that I, I, found you through your interview with Isabel Fox and Duke about this very issue when it comes to food and how we feel about food and how we make the decisions that we make and all of that kind of stuff. It it, it really is wrapped up so much more in our emotional, what we eat is wrapped up so much more in our emotional lives than we give it any kind of credit for.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and so Isabel, she's amazing. I mean, just absolutely brilliant, hilarious, wonderful. She's my, I mean, in addition to being a friend, she's my favorite kind of mind uh, you know, in this space, like I think that what her message is around the fact that diets don't work, right, and just kind of body positivity and diet culture and diet mentality and all this stuff. Like, sh- I know she's not the only one saying this kind of stuff, but it's oftentimes seems to me that she's the only one that makes any sense. Right, so like, I, <laughs> yes, I, I love her work. I think she's fantastic. Um Yeah, and so it's it's cool that you found me through her. But
0: yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of her and. It, it kind of intersects a little bit with part of how I became vegan and that I really wanted my ethics and my actions to match. And mm. so it, it's kind of a different way of looking at the changes that we choose to make. It, it was it was a total ethical thing for me, and it was totally about – I realized that I was living in ethical, moral hypocrisy every day with the, the actual – choices that I was making. So all I needed to do, not all, but the first step that I needed to take was to make my actions line up with my morals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that your story from, you know, other people who have made this transition, especially as adults, right? Like, I'm not talking about kids who grew up in a family being vegan, right? I think not to say that isn't a valid experience, but it's not an experience that I can relate to. So talking to other people like you or, you know, other now friends or people that I've had on the podcast or anything that have gone through this change, you know, as an adult, I think that your story is more common that meaning that it's kind of more of an ethical thing that comes up. And for me, it was obviously it wasn't that at the beginning, but it is that now. So it was a really interesting, that was almost, you know, cause you asked, you know, kind of health wise, running wise, like if I felt better, I definitely did feel a little bit better, but, um it was almost like the biggest side effect of having made this change was a big increase in my compassion overall, I think, and just awareness in general. So all of the, just like like the, the ethical side of, you know, like it really at this point when someone asks me why I eat this way, they, I mean, the simplest answer that I can give them is because eating animals makes me sad. Hmm. Right. And that certainly wasn't, the case at the beginning, but I think everyone comes to, you know, this kind of in their own way and through their own path. But now, even if, you know, I'm not really running very much a- anymore, or at least not as much, um, even if it wasn't, if there were no health benefits, which I believe that there are, you know, and no any of these other things, I still would continue to to eat this way because it's become like you said, something about, like, living in alignment with my values. Because, you know, I think – honestly, I think as a byproduct of eating this way, my values changed. What do you mean by that? Um, I mean, I I think that I'm a lot more compassionate now than I used to be. I think that I'm more – I don't know. This is this is a, a kind of a continual thing that I work on like trying to remain open in kind of the face of suffering whether that's other people or animals or I don't know. Um, so I don't know if that's necessarily a value change or just it, it's – yeah, it is a value f- to me to try and it's super hard. Like my reaction is always that I want to close down and not be around pain and suffering, right? Like I think that's a very human thing. Yeah, I, I think, think that's
0: kind of a – that's a normal thing. I think if you felt the other way, we might have a different conversation on right. our
1: hands. Right, right, But, you know, the – there's a difference. You know, so for example, um, you know, my my parents are very not vegan and, um, you know, I have tried – to share some of the kind of documentaries or resources with them that have been particularly moving or impactful for me, just not in kind of a trying to convert them way, but more um, helping them to understand why I'm making the choices that I'm making. And, um, they won't do it. They want my, you know, my mom says, I can't watch any of that because then I won't be able to eat these things anymore. And I'm like, well. And <laughs> you're like, well, that's the point. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a but. Well, But also, you know, kind of taking this a step further, kind of my philosophy around this is, I think it should be the other way around. I think it should be mandatory to know the truth of where all of your food comes from. I mean, not even that I do, right? Like, I I certainly wish it was possible to know where everything comes from. But if you can watch this and, like, learn this kind of stuff and you still feel fine with your decisions, okay, right? But that kind of, it's like choosing to be ignorant of it so that you don't feel guilty about your actions or don't have to make change, that I used to also be like that, um, or at least more like that than I am now. And so that's kind of what I mean in terms of um, like being more open to like seeing these kinds of things. Like even if it's painful or even if I feel like I can't do anything about it and not just in the world of, you know, food or um, like animal rights, but just in general, I feel like it's made me more willing to like sit with horrible, uncomfortable feelings and the feeling of being helpless in the face of all of the things in the world that are broken that I can't change, which is easier on some days than other days. But, you know, that has definitely come for me from making this change to what I'm putting
0: in my body. That actually resonates a lot with what I've heard from a lot of other people that I've talked to for the show. There is definitely a, a strong feeling among a lot of vegans that We have to remember what it was like to not be vegan and to not think about these issues as deeply as we do now. And so when we're talking to other people who haven't yet become vegan, or maybe never will, who am I to say? That remembering that fact, remembering that this was not always the way you saw the world, is one of the most valuable things you can do when you are trying to share resources with somebody. And you want somebody to... Think hard about the choices that they're making and and whether that really does align with your values or not. Is that yeah? This is this is a change for all for all of us. Almost all of us. I've I have not interviewed yet any. Well, that's not true. I had a four year old on the show because I was interviewing her dad, and she's been vegan since birth. That's so. But (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, it it was very cute. Um, But other than that, I haven't talked to anybody who has been vegan their whole life, and so we're all people who have decided to make a change. And remembering that when we're talking about it seems so important to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I also think that people have we're talking just about like the vegan movement, I think that there are people have different roles to fill, like I'm definitely not an advocate. And I don't necessarily mean for this. I mean, in general, that's not my you know, any of those personality archetype, you know, type things. I'm more of the like artist healer type. And there are people I'm grateful for the people that are activists, right? Like that's their kind of natural brand of existing in the world, their natural way of existing in the world and of sharing, you know, messages like this that are important to them. That's not really, it's not really my thing. Um, and so I think that that's, that's also important, too, is, you know, that the spreading of any message I think that you believe in requires, like, d- people to come about it through different ways, right? So, like, I'm never looking to be preachy about mm-hmm. it, Um Because also, because I think that that doesn't work. I don't think that we ever make change from a place of shame, you know, for someone telling us that we should do something. Maybe we make temporary changes, but it never sticks. Like, I wouldn't have made this change if I didn't want to make this change. So I think that as much as, you know, for me, the most frustrating instance of that is with my parents, but, you know, I think we all have our complicated family stuff. But for me, it's, I don't know, it's, I'm always happy to talk about it if people ask, you know, or if they want to hear my story or, you know, especially, you know, people are usually interested in, okay, well, what were the biggest challenges kind of and how did you handle mm-hmm. that, right? Like that type of like real talk around that stuff because I think that there there is, like I said, that kind of image that a certain type of, let's say vegan, I don't know, puts off that's this very – kind of morally superior this is so easy just decide to do it and I don't think that that's true for I mean at least anyone that I know that that's that's really it's hard like making change is hard and you know continuing to especially with food like make a choice that's always not the mainstream choice is hard it's easier than it used to be for me and it's not something that I Regret or ever think about not doing right, but I think that you know we can't ignore the fact that it's not always that easy, and that it's. I mean, this is kind of going off on a tangent, right? But tangents are welcome. The things that you see on Instagram or whatever, like that. I hate to say this, but like there's certain elements of eating this way or living this lifestyle that come from a place of a lot of privilege. Like, oh, I, yes. oh, like yes. and not everyone has that kind of like I can go to the store like I was so funny just I was at the grocery store picking up a couple things for dinner tonight right before I got on this call and I wanted one red pepper for something that we're making tonight and for whatever reason I mean I know it's not like super red pepper season or whatever <laughs> it was $2.50 for one red pepper <laughs> I like stood there and I was like this is crazy town. But I still bought the pepper because I can do that. And mm-hmm. I'm incredibly grateful to be in that position. But that's not everyone. So that I think this, this kind of – there's like an aggressive side to veganism that I think doesn't sit well with a lot of people because we're not talking about these like underlying things. Again, all the reasons why we eat what we eat, a lot of it is – Depending upon our budget is depending upon where we live, do we have access to these kinds of things right like if i had if I was a single mom and had multiple kids and worked you know let's say multiple jobs like there's it's not my priority right, so I think that i don't know there's one and this is something that I've learned a lot, like I used to be a lot more on my soapbox about stuff, and i'm kind of like you know <laughs> it's not you don't know the truth of anyone else's situation
0: yeah I, that is very much a part of the conversation that I think is starting to emerge but I think is going to take a while to really infiltrate the the way that we think about vegan advocacy in general you know I feel very similarly in that I am not a person who is gonna I, I actually made a proclamation last week I was at a vegan event here and I was like I will never leaflet under any <laughs> circumstance <laughs> that is not my th- like that is very far from what i'm comfortable doing i'm much more likely to talk to somebody who asks me a question but at the same time i also have to recognize that the fact that i too can go out and buy a red pepper whether or not it's 99 cents or 250 is hugely that that is so much a part of why i'm able to eat this way yeah and it's definitely. also the privilege of having enough money and living in a place where I don't have to eat animal products to survive. Mm-hmm. If I yeah. did, I couldn't be vegan because then I would die. You know, like that, right. <laughs> that's how it works. So so it's, it's like a double whammy of privilege that is so difficult to remember that you that you if you can do this, you are so fortunate. Yeah,
1: I agree. I mean, and I also think that people wake up to things at different times. Like, I remember the thing that was, that kind of started me, that really kind of just, like, punched me in the face as far as the, like, compassionate side of this goes. I read a blog post. um, Are you familiar with the site Zen Habits?
0: No, I'm not.
1: Okay, um, so Leo, the guy, who's, it's a hugely popular site, um, you know, and, and he's vegan also and, and writes about it sometimes. Um, I can try to find the link if you want to, you know, put it in in show notes or anything. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it was, it was, I don't remember the name of the piece, but it was something like, you know, in defense of like the voiceless. It was like something like that. And it was this definitely eloquent, articulate piece. And what I remember most, the takeaway was basically like, because of the essentially the evolution of our food systems, right? And we're talking about, again, like, he also lives in the United States, right? So talking about this, exactly what you just said. We don't have to eat animals in order to survive, right? Like, that's off the table here. And not only that, like, the conditions that we are producing these animals in, like, is so horrific. Like, basically, his whole point was, like, it's murder for fun. And mm-hmm. meaning, like, I, I want bacon on this thing, so – than murder. Right. And was, for whatever reason, like it just, not that I, it's not like I wasn't aware that I was eating animal, right. Like, but it just, I don't know. It was, I think things arrive for us, resources arrive for us, like when we're ready for them, I think like if it would have been five years earlier, I would have rolled my eyes at that and not paid any attention. But for whatever reason, like I had come far enough in this journey that I read that. And I was like, oh shit, like that, that's real. That's true. And it wasn't too long after that that now you know we have two cats and having a pet I never had a pet before growing up and that changed a lot of things for me too. I remember
0: reading something else Oh my god else. Nicole I'm sorry yeah. our stories are so similar. I got a cat <laughs> and it was like holy shit what am I doing? How can I yeah, pay for I, somebody else to hurt an animal when I have this animal who I, like, hold every day, you know? That's, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And
1: I, I mean, I had never had pets growing up, you know, because we lived in apartments in big cities, and we traveled a lot, and it was just, you know, not, not a fair reality. And my mom, you know, was always terrified of cats and it was like a whole thing. And when my husband, you know, has had a cat who's now nine years old, so like had the cat when we, you know, got together and I was very like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to live with this cat. I was a little bit allergic, (laughs) completely fell in love with the cat. And now like the craziest cat lady ever, right? We have a second cat. And I read something that another um, vegan said online that was something to the effect of like in until I'm willing to like murder and cook my cat for dinner, then I don't eat other animals. And again, like, that's kind of a, like, bold in your face thing. But it started me down the road of thinking about how, like, arbitrarily divisive we are with which animals are for pets that we love and which animals are for food. Um, And I, you know, through that, I found kind of farm sanctuary. And that's like a lot of their argument that, you know, they rescue these animals from the farms. And when people come up to visit the farms, they were like, Oh, my God, I never knew that, like, pigs were cuddly and cows had personalities like these types of things, which it's so funny that we think, you know, dogs, cats, you know, whatever, these are pets, and everything else is just food. And it's like such an arbitrary thing. And I don't know so it's been like definitely an evolution for me of like waking up to these different realities and different things that are important to me. And who knows, maybe my future involves, you know, talking about this, not that I don't talk about it publicly, I'm happy to talk about it whenever someone wants to, but it's not really kind of the main focus of my work or anything like that. Um, and who knows, maybe it will be more so at an, at another point. But, you know.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, these kind of like happy, glowy moments that you've had since becoming vegan. What what did you mean by that? Is that like a particular like points in time? Or was it just more of how your life is unfolding or something else?
1: I mean, well, I I think what I meant was that that's – you know, if we're talking about the internet, Instagram, whatever, that that's how it's portrayed, right? That it's like, look at me, I juice every day and everything's like glowing <laughs> and fabulous. And like, kind of like I said before, like definitely, you know, my skin's better, I feel better. Like there are those kind of like nice glowy side effects. And there's like the the kind of internal glowiness that comes from exactly what you said of getting an alignment with your values and actions, right? So all of that stuff is definitely true. But I think that that image that's put out there is actually sort of destructive, because it doesn't tell the whole story, that it doesn't talk about that, you know, I mean, and maybe that is that person's whole story. Again, I don't know, like, maybe they are just like, happy sunshine, rainbow unicorns, like drink green juice all day. Maybe they are. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know anyone that is. And so I think just like something that's more of interest to me is having more honest conversations like this, about, you know, that it's, it's hard right and it's it's sometimes it's hard when you know you're friends with people that don't make any of these choices and they're all going out to dinner and they don't invite you because they just assume that you're not going to be interested or you know that there are social ramifications right and you know for me i'm very sensitive to being considered high maintenance like i know that i am high maintenance meaning that like I don't just eat whatever, right? Or like any of these other things, but I try to always meet my own needs, right? So it's been like an interesting dialogue with the people in my life. Um, this is one of the strategies that's helped make this possible is to have conversations around like, don't worry about me at all. Like if you want to organize some kind of a dinner and, you know, first of all, I can mostly find something to eat anywhere. But if not, like I'll eat first. I just want to come hang out with you, right? That it's like continually telling other people like my choices are not your problem. Like just because I'm choosing to eat this way. But again, I think that that comes from like the stereotype of there are people that are, well, I can't do that because I'm vegan or you need to pick a different place because I'm vegan. Like I'm so sensitive to being vegan that because I pretty much lost my whole social life when I
0: quit drinking but I'm like I'm not willing to do that <laughs> you know <laughs> you're not um, losing the is, new friends for this uh no right? animals thing yeah
1: totally but I think that these are the, like when we really get down to it you know I've had conversations with people that you know where they've said things like well I wish I could eat that way but right mm-hmm. and all of the buts all of those like challenges they usually come down to stuff that involves other people so like social stuff right or it comes down to the like ways in which we use food as emotional coping mechanisms right like that type of thing and they're like mostly all related to if we take out the issues of privilege that we talked about those couple of things i couldn't make this ch- change because what would my friends think or what would my partner think or my kids don't want to eat this way or like all of these things which are real, they're real challenges, but it doesn't mean that that we can't overcome those if we're willing to have kind of honest conversations about, okay, well, what if you did do this? Like, what would have to be true in order for this to work, right? And, you know, I think that is, like, if I'm looking at kind of my role in this space, like, I like talking about that kind of stuff, right? Or, like, looking at basically the stories that we tell ourselves about what is true for us or what we can and cannot do and, like, really digging into like, okay, well, you say you could never do this because your spouse isn't vegan. Well, that's not actually true. You're deciding that that's true. And what if it weren't true? Right? Like, what if you did it? And just like to kind of have conversations about that type of stuff is interesting to me.
0: There's a Twitter account that I love. It's a bot. It's called VegAssist. And I talk about it all the time. Um, And it retweets any tweets in in some number of language that has the phrase, I want to go vegan, or I wish I were vegan, or something like that, something along those lines. And what it allows you to do is respond to people. So if you follow this account, you see all of these retweets in your feed. And it's just filled with people saying the exact things that you're talking about. I want to go vegan, except my parents won't let me I want to go vegan, except I love ice cream, I you know, those same kinds of ideas. And so it's a great tool for those of us who are interested in having those conversations to respond to complete strangers and talk about, you know, okay, well, if you're 15 years old and want to be vegan and you're still living at home, what are the things you can do in the meantime? Or what are the conversations you can have as you are making these changes with your parents to help them understand?
1: Yeah, totally. No, that's interesting. I mean, but I I think too that, I mean, obviously we're talking specifically about veganism, but I mm-hmm. think that all of this is true for any change that you want to make. Because this, this, I, I think – the idea that it has to be, and I'm sure there's plenty of vegans that would completely disagree with this. The idea that anything has to be all or nothing, I think also gets in our way. Like if you would have told me on day one, like, okay, you can never do this again. Eating this way is wrong. Like I would have been so turned off by that that like I hear people say, you know, I would totally be able to do this except like what happens like, when I like go stay with my family for a week over the holidays? I'm like, okay, well, so what if you're vegan the whole year except the week over the holiday? Like, isn't that's, like we think of it as this like, all or nothing thing like no animals will get saved no changes will happen to like myself my body the world that's not true right so it's like being able to i think like relax the perfectionist nature uh like around this kind of stuff like sure would i be thrilled if everyone stopped you know like mistreating animals yes absolutely but you know if someone's reason not to do something is you know okay well because what about this one specific okay so like wh- wh- why, why do you have, you, it doesn't have to be this all or nothing thing. So I think that there's, I mean, that's just like one element of change, but you know, I think that that's like an interesting piece of it too, that we have these like fantasies or beliefs about what it means. And I think this is, this for me is why I don't really identify much with the vegan label. I mean, also I eat honey sometimes. So technically I'm not a strict vegan, right? And it's, I mean, saying that, I'm vegan is just an easier way for other people to everyone knows what that means. Right. Pretty much. Um, but I know that there are people that would, you know, say any that, okay, well you eat honey, so you're not vegan. So you're out. Right. And like, I'm not really about that. (laughs) So I think that, I don't know. I don't really know what my main point is here. Other, you know, then I think that there's some more kind of inclusiveness that can happen. And that at the end of the day, it's not really about a label. It's about, I think your point was really insightful of like doing, in alignment with yourself, like that your behaviors match what you want. And if let's say your values are that you, you know, don't want to eat, animals directly but you're fine you know being vegetarian if that's your state like it's you can you're the ceo of your own body and you can eat or not eat whatever the hell you want and i i really believe that and i think that people taking like there's a lot of power that comes from taking ownership of your choices rather than thinking okay well i have to fit all of the criteria under this strict label otherwise i'm not going to make
0: any changes at all if that makes sense it absolutely makes sense because i I also have a very difficult time with that kind of all or nothing, very, you know, this is the only one way to do it. That, that's, that can't possibly be true because we're all different people. And so there's not going to be one way to do something for everybody. And I, I, I find that mentality, I, I think that that appeals to some people. And that is kind of what draws, you know, some people into this type of lifestyle and then that is also very uh, repellent to a lot of other people. I know I know that it was for me. If if I thought that it everything was all or nothing and I had to be perfect from day 1, I would have never even tried.
1: Right. Well, also like there's no like vegan police, there's no test you have to pass, <laughs> right? But like we make it into that sometimes. Like I it's interesting. So I'll just share, I have no like wisdom or answers for this, but I am planning right now my first Four week solo backpacking trip that I'm going to be taking this August, which is like a totally new world for me. I have no backpacking experience. I'm obviously going to do some like little trips to practice, but it's like completely, completely new to this thing. And I'm completely obsessed and super excited. And obviously, a part of it is researching gear. And I've been, you know, doing that a lot and reading a ton of kind of books and trail journals and things of other people that have done, you know, long hikes. And deciding which sleeping bag to get has been like an ethical conundrum for me because the warmest and most lightweight stuff is down, right? Mm. And so then I kind of went down the rabbit hole of, of learning about the different sources, right? That there are certain companies where, you know, unfortunately, they're live plucking, you know, down, which is horrible. Mm-hmm. There are certain companies that refuse to do that. So they get the down as like a byproduct from like a meat facility, right? So the animals are getting killed anyway, the down is coming from that, you know, and then there's synthetic options, which, you know, maybe aren't as warm and are quite a bit heavier, right, when you're talking about carrying a lot more weight. Anyway, I mean, this is obviously like a, an incredibly privileged, like selfish, like small example. But that's when it comes up for me that, you know, that I've had to question, this has been like, kind of like a, a mirror or a trigger situation for me to like, kind of relook at. All of my choices around this, and kind of to recheck in with myself that I'm making choices based on what my actual internal, like ethical compass or thermometer or whatever you want to say is, as opposed to, well, I've said that I'm vegan, so I can't buy this sleeping bag.
0: That's or, not true. Or that you're going to buy this sleeping bag, and therefore, you may as well just go back to eating meat and dairy. And 100%.
1: Yes, exactly. And that it, it is this nuanced thing, right? And I again, I think there are people that take a completely hard line with it. And I respect that. And I haven't decided yet what it is that I'm going to do. But it was just an interesting like that this type of stuff, it pops up, right? And that it's that it's I guess my point is that it's Like any kind of change, especially this, is more nuanced and more complicated than we're either led to believe or make it seem. Not to say that it has to be hard, right? It's not this like every day I'm like, oh my God, if I felt that way, then I wouldn't be vegan. Right? Like this <laughs> this choice, you know, makes me feel better than not 98% of the time. You know, is there are there times when sometimes I'm like, oh, this is such a hassle. I, I wish I could just eat what everyone else is eating. And then I have to remind myself, well, Nicole, you can. You're not gonna, you know, it's not like you're deathly allergic to this cheese. You can eat it. And I have to remember that like, this is a choice. It's like sometimes in those moments where I feel like, frustrated or whatever, it's that reminder of I'm doing this for a reason. And, you know, that kind of calms that down. But that it's it's, I think again, up to everyone to do to make their own choices. Also, and that choices evolve over time. Like ten years ago, five years, I mean there's no way I would have ever been doing this. I would have been so unbelievably opposed to it. It just like I can't even tell you the amount of cheese that I used to eat. <laughs> I think the <laughs> cheese is a big one for a lot of people. And I'll tell you right now, I don't even miss it. And I would have never even believed that that would have been true. Right, It's so, like everything's an evolution. And like, sometimes the strict labeling of things, of anything, you know, not just with this, but with anything does turn people off. I mean, and I think that there's a lot of shaming of each other that happens around the like around food and lifestyle choices. And like, I even see it in the vegan community, you know, of how you know this is such a healthier way to eat and then you know people start there starts an argument of people who aren't vegan who argue against it and i'm kind of like first of all that's not even the point of like if there's health benefits that's great but like at the heart of it it's choosing you know not to perpetuate animal suffering or whatever you know whatever anyway it's like a much more complicated thing but i think that there's like a lot of kind of comfort that can come from remembering that it's up to each of us to just make our own choices. Like you don't have to prove anything to anyone. Like no one's going to, no one's coming to like look in your fridge. Like do you, when you lay down at the end of the day, feel good about the choices that you've made, whether that's related to food or anything else. Like I think that's what matters. And that was kind of your point about getting your, you know, actions in alignment with your values.
0: Yeah. The, the idea of I can't eat something is something that I try to gently, correct when other people say about me. They say like, oh well you can't eat this because it has cheese on it and I say, well no, I I just don't eat it. Or I choose not not to. to. Like Mm -hmm. that that is because I can. I can I can eat whatever I want. I'm an autonomous adult. But the the choices that I make are different than, you know, I I can do a lot of things. I can just like not wear clothes and go to work and see what happens. I can do that, but I choose not to because I'd get fired and I'd probably be really cold. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, you no, know, I mean, there's just, like, so it, – It's all it's all our choices, and it's all, like, not only how much you want to make these choices, but how much your circumstances allow you to, and how much your social supports really allow you to feel comfortable and strong enough to make those choices.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, and I think – it's funny, like, it sounds like such a nitpicky thing, like, you know, trying to say – you know, I choose not to eat this versus I can't eat this, but language has an enormous amount of power, you know, both the language that we use out loud when we're talking and the language, you know, that we use with our self-talk, like that this idea that like we are storytellers and the most powerful stories we tell are the ones that we tell about ourselves to ourselves. And so anytime, you know, that same thing as you, when I start to get into that place of using like a deprivation language around food, like I can't have this, it's, you know, I've gotten a lot better at Immediately, kind of realizing that I've said that, and be like, "Oh no, like that's cute, Nicole. Like you can actually eat whatever you want. Like you could go eat ten thousand chickens. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you could just do, you could do whatever you want. You could like rub butter all over yourself and just like eat milk chocolate for the rest of your life. You could do that, <laughs> right? But I don't want to. And like just yeah. that little switch makes me feel like empowered. That's so. That's so. I, can't, I can do yeah. whatever I want,
0: like yeah. you said. Yeah, it's so interesting to me, because my husband is not vegan. So I have animal foods near me a lot of the time. And so, you know, for a while, it was, oh, I I kind of wish I had that, but I'm not going to. And now it's just, I, it doesn't even register as something that that is important to me on very rare occasions. But for the most part, no, it, it's not even an issue.
1: That's really interesting. That's another thing that I always am fascinated about when people make any kind of a change, you know, what are the lifestyle choices of, you know, the people that they spend the most time with, right? Whether that's like their partner or, you know, whatever, because my husband is vegan largely kind of like as a result of this, um, you know, but I was in a, a long relationship before this and it was in that previous relationship that I made all of these changes and so it was like really a different person you know than who I was you know, when we first got mm-hmm. together, and it was one of those things for me, and this is just my personal experience, not that I couldn't have made it work It's not like we broke up because I'm vegan, certainly not <laughs> but um I did find that it was emotionally exhausting for me to feel like every like element of our lives was a compromise, like that was my experience where like everything everything that we were doing was either not 100% my preference or not 100% his preference. Like, someone was always compromising. And, of course, compromise is, like, a part of relationships. But I didn't realize around the, like, issues of, like, food specifically and, like, more, like, lifestyle activities, like, food and being sober. And now my husband is both of those things, like, vegan and also sober after having, you know, drinking, which is, for me, like, what I need, right? Like, it's it's so interesting, like, how much easier. And I'll say that's so much easier for me because I have, you know – I spend my time with someone who makes the same choices. But to your point, it's certainly doable in the complete opposite scenario. So again, like it's, you know, these things that we use as excuses are really just excuses.
0: And and I will be totally fair and say that my husband is like the kindest person and is so happy to eat vegan food and is so supportive of my choices. He was the one who suggested he was the one who suggested that I do this podcast and really encourages me to do more with being vegan it's just it's not his time yet and there's nothing i can do to change that but i am well, I, mean, I am I really also, fortunate that he is you know i don't feel like we're compromising all of the time
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well and again of course like each individual relationship is like right. so different but right. i also think there's something to be said and this is maybe like a larger i don't know principle of you know like the people or the situations that are in our lives are i believe like there for a reason or teachers for a reason like obviously like you said it's not his time yet maybe it will be maybe it won't be for whatever reason like part of your journey what is and you know like being a partner to someone who's making different choices there's obviously like some growth there and that was for me at the time that it was also right so it's it's always like there's always things I think that we can like learn about ourselves because the downside of my situation, especially because my husband and I both work from home and we spend an inordinate amount of time (laughs) together, which works for us, like we love that we love and we, you know, cook all of our meals together, that it has made us less flexible with this kind of stuff and like more kind of homebody to the point of sometimes being lonely or isolated, right? That like, there's whereas, you know, when I was in a relationship with someone who because his friends were doing different things you know and it was kind of it was an always an element of you know compromise and that type of stuff it did lead to kind of more socialization right so there's i think there's like things that come with anything like within like the little piece sanctuary of our house it's super lovely but it makes me like
0: more fragile to or like less adaptable to other
1: situations so
0: that's that is a really interesting take on on this whole thing and with working from home cuz um, there were long periods of our relationship where uh, my husband was a freelancer and I was a student or I was kind of like patching together odd jobs and we spent a ton of time together. And I totally get what you're saying that like, you can create kind of this like insulated world that is exactly the way that you want it to be. If you don't have a lot of reasons to leave your house and you have a very specific social circle that you see most of the time. So that.
1: That's Yeah, really, I mean, and really I think it can stunt your growth a little bit. Like, it makes you less resilient. It makes you more fragile. And, I mean, that's, again, can apply to more than just the food situation. But I think my broader point is that there's pluses and minuses to every situation, right? Like, someone could look at me and say, oh, it's so easy for you to eat this way because X, Y, Z, right? And sure, you know, maybe some of those things are true, but I also set my life up this way because this is what I need, right? Like this, I certainly, I didn't become vegan under these conditions, right? Like it was it was very different. I was in a different relationship and kind of in a different financial place and a different, you know? So I think that there's also something to be said for over time, like giving yourself what it is that you need in order to thrive. And obviously maybe there'll be some downsides to that, but you know, that's,
0: this is what works for me. And sometimes like in, The situation I'm in, where my husband is not vegan, it is in a lot of ways good for me to remember that not everybody is in my head and not everybody thinks about things the same way I do. And it helps me practice more patience and compassion when I'm talking to other people about these kinds of issues that, you know, just not everybody's there. And the person I love the most in the world is one of those people. Mm
1: -hmm. And so,
0: when I'm talking about this, and when I'm trying to help people who are asking me questions, that I I talk to them as if I'm talking to my husband.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and it's been yeah, kind of a similar experience for me. Having, I mean, I have like two vegan friends, I think. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, not that many, right? And I'm, you know, through the the glory of the internet and social media, connected with more people that make these choices. Like, I don't feel like. I'm the only one making this choice because, you know, again, I think one of the beautiful things about the internet is that you can cultivate the information stream that is supportive for you, right? Like if you're following something and for whatever reason it makes you feel bad, stop following that thing and vice versa. If you're <laughs> right. trying to make a change, you know, and there's someone in the space um, that is, you know, that resonates with you kind of the way that I feel about Isabel Fox and Duke. It's the way that I feel on the vegan side about Matt Frazier from No Made Athlete, you know, people that are... In, especially with something like veganism, there's so many advocates at this point and they all have lots of different messages right like if you are someone that needs the like very aggressive like <laughs> moral issue all or nothing type of situation you can totally find someone more you know more than one person that will speak to that if you're someone who is more like the gradual approach style and you need it to be baby steps you need to, then there's someone for you there right so that this idea that wherever wherever anyone's coming from that there are resources to go to that are in line with that, I think is also really wonderful.
0: So it's actually a really good segue into talking about resources that you love and you've mentioned a lot of them already. So I was wondering if you had a couple additional ones that you wanted to share or if this was kind of your, you know, we talk about no meat athlete, we talk about Zen habits, the various books um, you know, is there, is there anything else that's been really helpful for you?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what side of this you want to come from. Um, the farm sanctuary stuff, I know I mentioned that. That um, was really helpful for me, kind of both their website and Gene and Bowers' book slash cookbook. Um, because I think that it speaks to the, like, actually puts more of like a, this is going to sound weird, but like a face on animals, right? This idea of like, pigs have feelings, right? Like that, again, sounds like really simple or silly to say, but I think that they are an organization that does that really well. Um, and their messaging isn't this like photos of tortured, you know, animals in cages or that not to say that also isn't important, but I feel like that stuff is often a turnoff for people. Um, so I don't know, I, I, I really like the work that farm sanctuary is doing. They're one of the animal, them and, and mercy for animals, which is, you know, more kind of in that other dramatic vein are, you know, two organizations that I donate to every month. Um, from just like a yummy food perspective, uh, my favorite go-to source for recipes is um, the website Minimalist
0: Baker. Ah, uh, yes,
1: she's the best. Um, it's funny, my—I don't know—kind uh, of the release date for this for you, but it'll actually uh, be
0: at- Monday. So it'll be after. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So t- tomorrow, um, April 1st, the fourth season of my podcast comes out and I had Dana on the show, which I'm like a huge fangirl of Minimalist Baker and of her. So that was I
0: know I, I, I was doing research before I talked to you and I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. <laughs>
1: yeah, she's great, by the way. Um, and, you know, that so her website, at least at this point, I mean, she still has some of her old recipes, but everything that she makes at this point is plant based, um, but not like... Not in a, like, capital V vegan way. Obviously, you know, being, like, a fan of hers. Like, it's just really good food that's simple to make that happens to be plant-based, which that's my – especially – my history of like i'm obsessed with food like i if it if it's not delicious i'm not interested so that is i think another part of the argument for a lot of people that they assume you know xyz thing is going to taste bad and maybe it it will at first like your taste buds adapt that's a real thing that i noticed like i never used to eat anything green i hated it and now i love that kind of stuff so there is an evolution process but her recipes are excellent and her print cookbook comes out in a couple of weeks so that's super exciting um
0: I'll have to pick yep. that up I'll have to pre-order I it oh
1: yeah I, I'm so, I'm so excited yeah I, I can't say enough good things about it. I mean I've never made any anything from her website that hasn't turned out good which is like the best you know thing that I can say um But yeah, as just as far as, yeah, food resources go. That one's, you know, my favorite. And then, like I said, Farm Sanctuary. Um, Yeah, Matt from No Meat Athletes. It's funny. I don't mean to just keep talking about the podcast, but he's on this season too. (laughs) And he and I had like a kind of similar conversation about just like the difficulty of making change and just like real talk around that kind of stuff. And, you know, he shared his story of, you know, being vegan. And again, this kind of like gradual small step approach that's uh, relatable and that, real people can do. So I think his site is a really good resource for that kind of stuff, too, that it isn't this. It's like a very fun, simple, non-preachy place, you know, to do this kind of stuff. It's not the like crazy, you know, vigilante vegan type of situation.
0: (laughs) So um, you've mentioned your podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Uh, Yeah, so it's called Real Talk Radio. And... So I'm about to be on my fourth season. Season four comes out tomorrow. So still relatively new. I started the show at the end of August last year. And so it's a seasonal show, meaning that instead of, you know, an episode a week or, you know, that kind of more traditional format with podcasts, a full eight episode season um, comes out every other month. So That just tends to work better, you know, for for me and my kind of production style. So the podcast is just what it sounds like, Real Talk Radio. It's basically just real people having real conversations about real stuff. Um, I'm interested in digging deeper than, you know, whatever someone's kind of marketing message is. Like, let's talk about exactly this kind of stuff, like that it's hard to make change. You know, tell me about the time you tried something and it didn't work out, you know, Goal setting experiences, fears, failures, guilty pleasures, daily routines—just kind of like if you imagine talking about stuff with like a good friend over coffee, and then you know a lot of people are listening in. (laughs) That kind of thing, Um, which you know for me serves my own need to like break through what I think a lot of the kind of surface level BS is on, especially on the internet, you know, that I'm really interested in kind of like this constant reminder that I'm not alone in however I'm feeling, because it's really easy to feel like I'm the only one who's afraid of this thing, or I'm the only one, you know, it's, it's so easy to, you know, to switch to being vegan. So I'm having trouble with it. So what's wrong with me? Well, nothing, because it's hard for pretty much everyone, right? So just like conversations that get to, like, the truth of just the, like, messy, hilarious, crazy, painful, wonderful experience of being human. Um, You know, my goal is just that the show makes people feel, you know, entertained and laugh a little bit and, you know, maybe consider a new perspective and just, like, feel less alone, really. And that's, I mean, selfishly, it's what it does for me because all of the people I talk to are fantastic. So it's, you know, it just makes
0: me feel better about the world. Yeah, having a podcast is a great way to talk to people who you think are interesting
1: Oh my God, it's like the yeah, like, please be my is what I said to Dana. we're like we were talking after we were recording. It's like my thing of please be my friend I really, <laughs> and, like the podcast is it's almost like a trick, like just, <laughs> just like really amazing people are like, all right, like I'll come on your show, and like they don't realize my secret plan is like we're gonna be besties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is pretty amazing. I often talk about how uh the podcast is basically just a selfish endeavor for me to learn from other people and then surprisingly people want to be on the show and i'm always it it never gets old that somebody would want to talk to me
1: yeah no I like a stranger it's amazing no i'm super grateful that you know the the podcast is, is going well and you know we're just like really proud of of continuing to do what i say is important to me again with the you know i can With the alignment thing, like it's easy for me to say that, you know, honesty and real talk in real time, you know, especially about things that might be messy or embarrassing or, you know, that there's shame around, I can say that that's important. And I can say that I want to live in a world where people have more of those types of conversations. But if I'm not willing to actually do that, then there's a big disconnect. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of what it is for me also is, well, you know, I think that we have to make the work that represents the world that we want to live in. And I want to live in a world where people, People are having those kinds of conversations and where they feel less alone. So, okay, then that's my work in the world. And, you know, so that's kind of how I feel about it.
0: That is exactly what my husband said to me when I was expressing um, annoyance that there wasn't a lot of vegan media available that was kind of in the vein of things that I was interested in, in talking about. And, you know, I'm not super interested in talking about, you know, like various, you uh, toxins and cleanses and things you know that that's not like my area of interest and so I was having a hard time finding the right things for me that that were like helpful for me and so that's why I started this podcast I also want to apologize for the happy birthday can you hear that yeah
1: I can but it's totally fine it's <laughs> Whatever. Uh,
0: it's this stupid ice cream truck it comes around like five times a day between the hours of three and nine p.m. and it parks outside my house <laughs>
1: Hey man, it's, so, it's whatever podcasting, real life. I'll be yeah, on, you know, yeah. with someone and like their baby's crying or their dog's barking. Like, all right, whatever. It would be the same way if we were hanging out at your house. That ice cream truck would still be there. So.
0: It's, tr- it's true. It's true. So and funny. unfortunately, I don't live in a soundproof home, so
1: I know. Right, I'm with my, with if I had all the gratuitous money, right, and I'd make myself this podcast studio where it was like everything's silent the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> it would oh, be
0: perfect. Um, well, again, thank you so very much for being on the show I am so glad that I actually got to talk to you because I do admire the work that you do and I'm on your email list and I listen to your podcast and I I'm definitely a big fan of your like let's let's talk about the real stuff let's really get into what life is is really like and that it's not this perfect shiny happy thing all of the time
1: yeah. Thanks. That's, that's lovely to hear and, and flattering. And I, I appreciate that. And it's, yeah, it, it was fun. I Thank you for the invitation. And I'm always, always happy to to be honest about stuff, right? I feel sometimes I feel like I'm like, uh, should I warn people that I have no wisdom at all? <laughs> like, uh, but then I, but again, like, I think that's, that's something too, that we forget that there's just power in sharing our own stories regardless, right? Like I can sit here and be like, wow, I, that was, there was no wisdom that I offered, but maybe that's not my job to offer any wisdom just to be like, Hey, this is what the experience was for me.
0: Well, so if and maybe, you, also, you
1: feel this thing, you're not alone. Yay. Right.
0: Maybe it doesn't have to feel like wisdom to you, but it could be for somebody else.
1: Exactly. Totally. But I think that's something like we undervalue the power of sharing our own stories or our mm-hmm. own experiences because we think, oh, this isn't such a big deal or I'm not. Or, the, it, it, But you there's like something that's really powerful in what I call like the me too moment when someone says something and you're like, oh, my God, me too. Yeah. Right. And like you yeah. never know when that's going to come from. So I think, yeah, I, I love that that you're doing this and putting this out there and having these kind of conversations.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Tegan Goes Vegan is found at TeganGoesVegan.com, on Twitter at TeganGoesVegan, on Pinterest at TeganGoesVegan. The show is produced by Tegan and Nathan Karuna, with music by Amanda D'Amato. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving it a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show more easily. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back soon with more great vegan conversations. Tegan Goes Vegan is found at TeganGoesVegan.com, on Twitter at TeganGoesVegan, on Pinterest at TeganGoesVegan. The show is produced by Tegan and Nathan Karuna, with music by Amanda D'Amato. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving it a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show more easily. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back soon with more great vegan conversations.